3.0. I'm Dan. This is episode number 45. Most of the gang is here. Nick, Scott, Rob. What's up, guys? Yo! What's going on? I miss Devin. Yeah, Devin's oh. working. The street corner in Indiana. Who's Devin? <laughs> yeah, that fool's out there trying to stack some cash. So, I do have a little bit of news uh, regarding Devin. Devin Sr., <laughs> Rob McCune. It's probably going to be joining us next week in the stead of Devin. Yes. Maybe for maybe for upgrade. a week or two. Yeah, it's an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be good to talk about like another Nitro episode with him. Ooh, troubleshooting. Yeah. 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 That'd be a good person to have. It'd be dope. Yeah. Nick, you're in the troubleshooting phase now, I take it. No, I'm in the initially stable phase, soon to be troubleshooting. Ah, yes, yeah. you're preparing, thinking ahead. It's all going to go to hell pretty soon. Yep. It always does with Nitro at some point. It's just the way it goes. That first ping, and then it's all, all downhill. <laughs> but then it teaches you how to maintain and, and eventually come to love Nitro. That's going to happen, Nick. I got some thoughts on that. We'll talk about it a little more later, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So anything new and exciting this weekend? Um, well, let's see. Finished Dragonfly. We recorded that Monday. And then I talked about the changes I wanted to make to the Raw Nitro 700. Uh, and I did have an opportunity to go ahead and do those on Tuesday. Um, so to just highlight the changes, I took the X-Guard remote glow off the helicopter. And I took all the associated wiring off since that had self-combusted itself. Uh, I installed a, a little glow plug extension, so it just makes it easier for me to put a you know a glow plug driver on the outside without having to like open the jaw of the raw and you know reach the engine that way. Uh, I took the Nick Maxwell head off of it um, just to sort of take it back to a stock configuration, you know, just basic kind of troubleshooting stuff. Uh, based on the advice of a bunch of Nitro guys, they were like, "You're playing with too many new shiny toys, and you should back off and go down to one glow plug and you know the stock head and whatever." So that made sense. So I went ahead and made all those changes, and then uh, managed to. Oh, so this is funny. Speaking of that, so I pull the Nick Maxwell head off, and you know you're kind of twisting it and twisting it gently, trying to like get it to back off, and then all of a sudden the whole head and the sleeve comes out, and I was like, "Oh no." Ooh. So Google is your friend over to YouTube. <laughs> and then all of the Atlanta RC guys are all jumping in as well because I'm just posting pictures in our group chat like, uh, this is the sleeve, right? Having never taken an engine apart. And they're like, yeah, that's the sleeve. And I was like, well, how do I get this thing back in there? So a bunch of the guys, Caleb, Chris Moss, Tom Shin, uh, shouts out to all those guys. We're all sending me pictures. They're sending me links to YouTube videos. And they're like, start watching at this time. Um, and all helped me make sure I got the sleeve in properly. So I got the sleeve back in uh, without any fuss and then put the stock head back on. Anyway, so the raw nitro was was good to go. So went out to fly on, I forget whether it was Wednesday or Thursday, I think Thursday, with some of the Atlanta RC folks. So Sean was out there and Chris Moss was out there. And it's one other guy. I'm trying to remember who it was. Anyway, go out to fly, bring the nitro, bring the raw 700 electric as well and had a fantastic time with the nitro uh so you know it was kind of spitting out glow plugs left and right at dragonfly but this was the first chance i really had a chance to just fly it and it worked and chris moss was out there at the flight line with me and he just helped dial in the tune on the stock head uh, a little better for me um which was awesome 
and it just was ripping. Gobs yeah. of power for me, plenty of power for what I do. Uh, got in some like four, five flights, something like that, basically till I ran out of nitro. Um, and just had a great day with it. It was awesome. It's flying really well. I'm still having some bobbles with the Evo that are kind of unpredictable. It's weird. They're not consistent. It's, it's not like every time I do X, I get Y result. It's like randomly you're flying around and you get this bobble and then we'll try and recreate what I was doing and it won't bobble again. Mm-hmm. So it's weird and inconsistent, which makes it hard to, to, to troubleshoot. But it's a bobble in like where normally it would make you think head gain because it's the whole tail boom bobbing up and down uh, kind of rapidly. So you'll be flying along and then it just starts going. And often it's hard to get the helicopter to break doing that. Like it's bobbling. Um, and it's like, I literally have to change head speeds to make it go away. And then I can go back up in head speed and then, you know, it's not there anymore. And I do the same maneuver and it doesn't happen again. So, you know, the next troubleshooting step is to put a stock Neo on there, you know, back to the previous version and see what happens. So, uh, that's my plan there. Unless anybody here, uh, has any, you know, great ideas or whatever. Um, but, uh, firm hot glue. Yeah. It's got the hot glue fix. It's got the Doug Darby case. Um, so I don't know, like I said, put the stock Neo on it, just eliminate, you know, uh, everything basically at that point and then see if the bobbles go away. I mean, it's totally flyable right now. It's just annoying that there's these random bobbles at weird times. So, uh, but man, I had a blast. It's, uh, the guys at the field, it's interesting. They said, they all sort of said that I was flying much more aggressively, that it seemed like I was, Mm. I don't know, flying better in a way with the nitro somehow than the other i don't know if that's true but that's, that's what, they, what they do that's yep. what nitros do to people <laughs> <laughs> let's the testosterone out i don't right? know what it is i think it's the fact that you don't have pressure to do whatever you want to do within the time duration of your battery and i don't know it just seems like the power delivery helps you get into a flow easier i can't explain it it happens to everybody i know you fly a nitro you fly better you know what is awesome that i really enjoy so like I said, because I fly low, smooth, head speed stuff, like I feel like I have decent, not perfect, but decent collective management. But I love the audible cues of the nitro. So yeah. you're doing a move and you start to hear the engine like, it's not bogging yet, but it's thinking about it. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you think about where your thumbs are and then kind of adjust a little. Uh, it's like this immediate feedback to, yes, you executed that correctly or no, you need to get better at that. And that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I do want to take cool. this time, Dan, to call a thousand percent bullshit about Nitro having soul. Nitro is awesome. Nitro is fun. It is super rewarding. I, I don't feel any soul. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till it You're fucking breaks. Right. Now that you said that, you'll see the soul. It's going to be like, fuck you, Nick. Pop uh, right? a couple more times. <laughs> Tell you, you, if you don't, uh, you're you don't, a heli atheist. Come on now. <laughs> if you don't sense the soul of Nitro, no. you're not doing it right. You're doing something wrong. <laughs> I'm giving it too much head. <laughs> <laughs> it's a living, breathing entity, man. So you were just talking about it, Nick, how it talks back to you with the collective management and stuff. It's a, it's like more of a, uh, more of a, it's not sentient, but it's closer to that. You know, it's like alive telling you, Hey, yeah. you're, you're, you're flying me right. Yeah, but I mean, it talks back to you in the way that a voltmeter talks back to me with the voltage of a battery. Like yeah, it's not it. like, there's a other being talking to me. It's just an audible meter. Because you haven't learned to speak nitro yet. When you learn to speak nitro, it'll you'll understand what it's telling you. 
I think I think all you nitro heads like you make up this whole soul thing to feel better stores? about when it doesn't run. Dude, where I do you think all the magic when I was running nitro? <laughs> my nitros yeah. were running all the time. Where do you think all the magic smoke comes from, dude? All the retired nitro hellies <laughs> just collect it all up and then sell it to the electronics guys. <laughs> oh, anyway, I'm glad you're having fun flying your lifeless um, nitro heli. <laughs> you want to know the beauty? One of the beautiful things about nitro, Nick, is all of your problems, all the answers can be found at the bottom of a 50 gallon barrel of nitro. <laughs> this is uh this all is our current struggle trying to get like a group buy of, of nitro going i'm like literally i was when we were at the field on thursday i was like at the dregs of my last you know because sean gave me like my first gallon of nitro like here's your free fix to get hooked for life um <laughs> here's your dime bag yeah, i was yep. like oh i'm almost out already and i don't have a way to get more yet gotten our act together to get more and he was like all right i'm gonna give you one more fix and you replace <laughs> it when you get yours <laughs> nick's all scheming about he's gonna we're gonna end up with a like a semi truck one of them fuel trucks just parked <laughs> at the field there just with a little hose on it for people to fill up no i mean where you know those of us here in atlanta have a way to go pick up some so that we don't have to pay all the hazmat fees so we're working on that with cool power but just haven't done it yet it's a lot of people to coordinate in time and who's driving and all that shenanigans so we're getting there yeah sounds like fun yeah man but uh that's my week kind of essentially at that point i left a couple days later currently in south carolina with the family on just a little fourth of july trip and uh which i don't know depending on how much dan edits out you would have all heard my children and dogs running up and down the stairs nonstop. so (laughs) 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 that's all i got man it was a good week all right who wants to go next Oh, I'm not heli related, but I got some shit. Let's hear Lay it. Lay it on us. All right. So I got a bug up my ass and I wanted to change cars. So I had to try and sell my BRZ I was driving. And it sold pretty quick. But literally the day I was dropping that shit off, I almost got in like four accidents <sighs> within like 35 miles just dropping that shit off. It's like the world didn't want me to drop this car <laughs> like it started by the day before i was going to drop it off um there was a hailstorm never had a hailstorm in my entire life like a bad one and apparently this bitch is like golf ball style uh golf ball size hail and you know denting cars and shit i'm like what the fuck i can't have this happen the day before i give this dude the car like i don't want to go through an insurance (laughs) claim before i sell it Ah. so like I cleared everything out my garage. My whole podcast setup had to get like jammed in a corner just so I could fit the car in the garage. And I got it in like five minutes before it started to hail. Holy shit. Oh man. And yeah. And it wasn't really bad where we live here, but it was really bad seven miles north. And it just so happened that my wife was at the gym seven miles north of here. Uh Oh, Her forerunner got hosed. It looks like a golf ball. Like there's (laughs) all over the roof, all over the hood. So that is 100% an insurance claim because there's way more than my deductible worth of damage on that truck now, which blows. Mm, I bet. Yeah. I like that truck and it was clean. So kind of bummed me out, but I was like, whatever sales going to go well now. So the following day, pulled the car out of the garage and I have been detailing the shit out of this car because it's. It's a father that's buying it for his 15-year-old son, um, and he was going to surprise him with it last Tuesday, right? And 
I wanted to make sure that it was absolutely perfect. So like I took the wheels off, I cleaned the control arms, the shock, the wheel wells, the engine bay, the trunk, every like door jam and everything. Like Yeah, buddy. Yeah, that shit was new. So the kid definitely got a really cool surprise. So um after I had gotten it detailed, I was gonna leave early. That way I was, you know, and just in case something happens, I'm not late. I don't want to screw up the surprise. So um I jump in the car, go to start it. Tick 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 tick. I'm like are you fucking serious this car's never had an issue it's never not started and now I can't start that shit that's the first omen right there yeah I was like god this is always what happens to me so backed it out the garage manually just pushing it um, got it up to the forerunner jump started it and it ran I was like okay good and then second thing I was like alright when I pull these leads off I hope it keeps running or the alternators so pull the leads off. Everything was good. I was like, awesome. Okay. I just dudded the battery because I was cleaning it too much with the doors open and shit. So that was good. Um, so I, you know, come back down to earth. Everything's good. Jump in the car and we're, we're heading out. Within one exit of 85 South driving that way, there is a full tractor trailer tire on the highway in my lane on front of me. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no! Luckily, there was no one in my left lane. I had enough room to shoot over and get away from it the last minute and avoided it. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, this could have been so bad. So that was a close call. I was like, this is something, you know, the world's trying to, trying to screw me over here. And then start driving towards Mooresville. I get on 150. And some point where 150 and 152 split, uh, I get fucking slammed by a big dirt clod off of a uh, dump truck going the oh, other way. No. It oh, falls man. off, nails the hood, and it's like red Carolina clay. I just see poof right up the hood. And like I was like, oh, fuck. And I can see like there's a big orange spot where it hit, and there's you know dirt on the car now. And I have this thing spotless, so I'm not happy. So before I actually pull up, I pull over and start cleaning the car and wipe it down and there's scratches on it now like on the hood i'm like oh so no i pray he doesn't notice this and i feel terrible for this happening uh jump back in the car keep driving and there was something else happened and i forgot what it was there was like four things but i forget but there was one other, one other event that was like are you kidding me <laughs> and then i finally like park in the parking lot clean the wheels get it spotless and i'm like you're locked not touching you. I'm walking away. <laughs> not moving in again. <laughs> yeah, I literally didn't get back in that car. Even even like after we did the deal, he gave me the check and everything. Um, the guy's like, "Oh, do you want to you know borrow it? Go take it to the the DMV because you got to turn the plate in." I'm like, "Nope," because nope. <laughs> that's no, when I, I get boned. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! But, yeah, everything went pretty well. Uh, my wife came, picked me up, and then drove me home. They surprised the kid. Uh, he sent me a photo of the the surprise and stuff. The kid was like, you know, tears in his eyes kind of thing, hugging the car and shit. So I yeah. felt really good. He was super happy. So that, that made my day. That's cool, uh, man. You stuck yeah. your shoulder to the wind, man. <laughs> oh my <laughs> I can't God. believe it, dude. Every time I sell a car, it seems like the world is against me and it just wants to destroy it or make it something wrong. I don't get it. Gotta so get like, people to come to you. Yeah. Well, in the past, it was like, I think I want to sell this car, list it for sale, and then bam, check engine light. And like something really shitty, like, you know, your secondary O2 is triggered for bad cats. It's like, fuck, man. Ah! 
thousands of dollars. Like why? <laughs> oh, just man. sold it a week earlier. Yeah, exactly. I just ah, first just put black tape on the light. Yeah, <laughs> problem solved. It, it came that way. So what are you getting? And uh, I mean, you sold one. You you need to buy one now, right? What are you getting? Yeah, I already bought one. Just a oh. just. A, I like German cars, so I grabbed an Audi. Um, my dad had this car for the past like nine years. He never drove it. It's like in immaculate shape. And the whole reason I did all this was like he offered it to me like $15,000 under Kelly Blue Book. He's like, do you want wow. it? I'll give you like a really good deal on it. Damn. I was like, yeah, maybe, you know, let me know what you want for it. When he hit me the price, I was like, done, sold. I'll take it. Uh, my car will be sold in like two days. <laughs> so nice immediately jumped on that and it's it's like it's a rare color it's a six speed which you don't get very often and it's like optioned up to the point that it's it he could have gotten way more money so i am thrilled and i'm back in a german car where those are kind of my jam i've always been a german car enthusiast so more room for fun fly exactly Sleeping? i got back doors so i can get the kid in with the car seat so much easier than a brz nice. so that was the biggest mm. biggest complaint because like I just don't fit in the back of that BRZ, and I couldn't get the seat in when I put my kid in. It was like you know smacking his head against the windshield, the <laughs> back window, <laughs> the roof. The, I was like, oh yeah. god, sorry kid, I'm just you know ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag here trying to get you in the back seat. So, <laughs> yeah, we've already taken the whole family in this new car, and everyone fits hunky dory. I'm thrilled. Well, fun. That's cool. Yeah, it's a crazy adventure though. That's glad. It's a good thing that thing didn't get the hail damage because. That stuff's a pain in the ass, and I feel for you on the other car. Hopefully, they can get most of that shit out, but yeah. without it being too wrinkly, you know. After, yeah. at least it didn't screw up the kid's car. Like that's, I, I'm upset yeah. that, that my wife's car got hit, but it's like whatever. Put it through insurance. I don't claim a ton of stuff on insurance ever. I think this is my second claim my whole life, so I don't think it's a big deal. It'll get fixed, and we'll go from there. It it looks like it can all be PDR'd and no paint or anything, so no biggie. How about nice. you, Rob? I flew some stuff again. Did you? I, yeah. I fly every week, at least once or twice, you know. I mean, nothing super go. crazy. Yeah. Commitment, dude. Yeah, Commitment. dude. That's what it is. I'm getting slowly better and better, you know. Um, I talked about last week, I bought, I got some, these Rotortech 560s mm-hmm. um, for the five for the Goblin 570, you know. Um, and I wasn't exactly sure what to think about them at first. Just because they're 10 millimeters shorter than the other ones, because the other ones were the 570s, those MS, whatever, whatever they were, the MS composite, <laughs> yep. the fatter ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but and these ones, the cords are a, uh, maybe a millimeter or two thinner. And so I'm like, man, I'm wondering what this is going to be like. But I tell you what, I kind of like it. Like, it seems like the disc is, doesn't get loaded up quite as easily, right? The other blades, I felt like I was, I was bogging a lot more. I was, I don't know. I've been getting better at collective management. So I'm not, quite as heavy on the sticks you know but still i this one i feel like i can fly it faster and um tighter i guess like i can keep it in a, a more more of a tight line than with the other ones the other ones were just really twitchy i think more meant for um kind of balling the heli up into like an area you know like a small box you know but my jam is kind of sport flying you know big air and some tricks in the in the in between and stuff like that you know the rogue sport or whatever hard sport. So these blades are working good, man. I like these little rotor techs. So, and they were a good deal. So that's why I bought them originally, you know, but, um, 
Uh, but anyway, my point is, I like the 560 mil length on this 570. It's kind of nice. Maybe if I had some like brand new packs, you know, these packs are kind of old. I'm not exactly sure how many fights are on them all. All these uh, Pulse 7 cell packs that I fly on this thing. Um, but the, uh, I mean, I've put at least a um, hundred flights on this thing or more, you know, since I got it um, between eight packs. So however that would work out, I put a bunch of flights on them already, you know, and I can tell a couple of the packs come down. They, they, they're starting to swell a little bit. So those are the packs I fly really light. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm jamming again, dude. I got this thing back in the air. It's fun. Um, another thing that i did i we talked about the kbdd blades on the my t-rex 600 well i was digging around and i did find another set of carbon fiber blades that were in this goblin 570 in like the parts bin or whatever um and i just eyeballing them they're the same length as these kbdd ones were but i feel like maybe the t-rex things i don't know what what length tail blade are you supposed to run on a t-rex 600 that sounds like a really like remedial question but i need to know these are 92s or 90s. Those are a little big, aren't they, for a 600, Scott? Maybe, the, hang on, I'm going to measure one right now. I, I thought 600s ran like 95s. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. And then you're looking at what, one, 100, 100, 105s for a 700? 105 to 115s on a 700. Yeah, you're yeah probably, so, that's probably good, yeah. Okay, yeah, so perfect, then that's good then. These are 90, uh, 96. So, and these carbon fibers are 96 and they work way better, but I don't know if maybe, okay, riddle me this guys. I got this thing going on with the T-Rex 600. I kind of talked about it last week, but so about the tail, just kind of acting like it wants to go to give sometimes, you know? Um, so I'm flying and I'm noticing like if I pirouette one way, uh, let me see, see if I can get this right. Um, I don't remember which I should have paid more attention. I don't remember which way it was left or if it was left or right where it does this, but I'll pirou one way and, um, you know, the stops are still a little bit soft, but if I pirou and then I just try to reverse and go the opposite the other way, um, in one direction while I'm pirouetting, I can reverse the other way and it grabs and goes the other way pretty well. But if I try it the other way, it's like, and then it finally pulls it like a rubber band, like probably like 40, 45 degrees worth of slap back before it actually grabs on and pulls it the other way. And I'm starting to get these weird thoughts in my head. I'm like, is like the torque tube, like, could the end be slipping in the tube or is, could I have a break in the tube and it's like torsionally flexing or something? And I just haven't torn the tail apart. So I thought I'd ask you guys short of just trying to feed it more gain. What, what do you got for oh. I bet you the shitty direction is when you make it go right rudder. So you pull the stick to the left, it's responsive, and yeah. then you move it to the right, then it does that weird <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, like bogs, yeah. like I'm bogging it out big yeah. time. Yeah, It's because yeah. you're fighting the torque of the disc, whereas the other way you're going with the torque of the disc, so it's a lot easier for the tail to go one way than the other. Right. Well, So my thing, though, is it didn't start doing this until after I blew up the tail blades and had to put these plastic ones on. I told you I did that auto and I was like, <laughs> chunk, plastic chunk, chunk. blades, dude. No. I, so listen, I had the carbon <laughs> blades on there and I messed them up and I'm like, well, shit, I don't have any other blades. And so I put these KBDDs on there and I'm like, this sucks. And so then I found these carbon fiber blades that I put on there, the same length as these KBDDs, uh, same length as the previous ones that were on there that I broke. And, but now the carbon ones are still doing it too. So is it possible that I messed up something in my tail assembly? Some, I mean, all the outside mechanics that I can see look good. All the teeth are good. I can grab onto it and like 
you know, hold the head and try to, you know, I can feel like a little bit of flex once I lock the gears up, you know, but I don't know. I don't know, man. I feel is like I'm cord, just going to have to, I don't know. Is the cord different between blades? So the uh, original, the original carbon versus the new carbon as if the cord is different, it's going to make a big difference. I feel like it probably is like a mill thinner or two. I'll have to look at that. Maybe that's one so, other thing I can look at. Yeah, you can boost your gain. Uh, it'll make a make up a huge difference. So if the blade is less efficient and it doesn't work as well, you can increase the gain and it should work pretty much the same. Yeah, I'll try some more stuff. It's a uh, I've been back burner in that one since I got the five seventy back in the air. But I flew it to uh, probably two or three times since I put those other blades on there, and that's why I'm noticing this. I'm like, I gotta figure that out. You know, I'm not sure what it is, but. Uh, so, and I, I was flying the, the, the 570 the other day and, um, flying around and all of a sudden I start hearing this like rumbling sound that sounds like a person dragging one of those 40 gallon, like garbage, your, your garbage can that you wheel out to the street with wheels on it. It sounds like that being drug over some dirt and I'm at the park by myself and I'm like, what, what is that sound? And I fly by and I'm flying kind of gentle. I'm like, is that my heli? I didn't hear anything as I was flying gentle. I flew away, come back around and come do this like banking turn. I hear this <laughs> weird ass noise. I'm like, oh, maybe that is my heli. So I land and I turn around and look behind me. Nobody, I'm ghosted. You know, nobody around, just me. And I'm like, okay, so now what is messed up? Because, you know, it, this all started with me planting the thing, like headbutting the ground, like really hard with this heli that I put that video up. And so I got it rebuilt and I'm like, so something else is fucked up. So I just went and looked and I found out that the, the collar at the top uh, that goes in between the servos that holds the shaft down at the top there had just backed loose and I just uh, neglected to do that maintenance when I rebuilt it. It was backed out like probably three mils. If I'd have flown around any longer, I'd have started throwing screws off the thing, you know. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm done. So I packed it up, took it home and fixed it. And it's all, it's all better now. But I'm glad I caught that before it, you know, got worse. I paid attention to the sounds, you know. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my heli shenanigans. The other helis are just nice. hiding on the sh on the shelf for now. Having too much fun flying this one, um, but yeah, it was good times. Good times hey. were had. Nothing was broken, so that's good too. Yeah, I um, I didn't do shit with my helis this week. I uh, I haven't quite recovered from the trip to North Carolina. I've still been. I, I'm finally kind of getting over the sick. Like, well, the cough oh, and that's shit. That's good. You put the booger getter away? You're not leaking <laughs> out of Dude, your face it's anymore? pretty much, yeah, the well's dried up, man. I can't, uh, my opportunity to make money off that is now <laughs> long gone. Well's dried up. Yeah. We got a new administrator at work. It's just a little nerve-wracking. Everyone's stressing out. Yeah, makes on work edge and shit. A little stressful, so kind of dealing with that. So what I did almost do... On Saturday was by a boat. Oh, really? What the um, fuck? How wait, many midlife crises can I you know. have? No, <laughs> we talking radio control boat or like pontoon? No, like a, I'm giving up on life boat. No, like a a twenty foot ranger fishing boat. Oh, fun! I'm coming tubing. <laughs> Wasn't that close, but I was looking at it. I was thinking about it. Luckily, my better half was there. <laughs> I don't know. Your better half, as awesome as Elaine is, has not exactly discouraged you lately. Case in point, the camper. Yeah. Oh, well. 
That's a that's an us thing. A boat is not an us thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a you thing. That's a me thing. She has she wants nothing to do with a boat. That was exciting. Uh, damn nice though, man. I I've always wanted something like that, but I just got to thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, I like I don't have time to do whatever everything that I want to do now. When would I? Yeah, when would you maintain and then launch and then be in your boat? If you could have somebody just, if you could just snap your fingers and be at the dock and get in your boat and go fishing and nice, then get man. out of your boat and just go back to your life and somebody else deals with all the other shit. Someone else perfect. deals with it, puts it all away. You should just do what yeah. we do. And this is timely because literally I just got off this boat like an hour and a half, two hours ago. Just rent one? Which is we just go on vacation and we rent one. Yeah. And when you look yeah, at the individual cost, you're like, well, it's not exactly cheap to rent one for like four hours. But literally we rented a boat that came with a captain because you have to here. Who had tubes, water skis, kneeboards, wakeboards, and like whatever we wanted to do for four hours, we did. And it was awesome. And then yeah. we go away and we never think about it again. And we spend probably way less than we ever would if we owned a boat. Well, yeah, we and we were aware, like we're going to the Poconos uh, to rent four wheelers and ride on trails up there. Oh, fun. Nice. Fun as hell. Yeah. So, and you know, when I was in Montana, I used to go to Yellowstone and rent snowmobiles all the time. Hell of a lot cheaper than owning one. Yeah. Chasing yetis? <laughs> yeah. Chasing bison. The bison. <laughs> through, the, through the woods. Now, you can't chase animals there, Rob. Come on. Come on, man. Aw. It's the Wild West. Anyway, that's really all there was to it. We, uh, we didn't go camping this weekend, but uh, of course, we're going to be camping again next weekend so i'm not quite sure which flying i'm gonna get i don't know where i don't know what the next fun fly in the area is i know that we are going to uh, scott are you still going to uh new york uh when is it again it's like august 24th but don't quote me on that but it's somewhere in that time frame yeah no actually that's exactly what my wife's talking about trying to get up there so i can absolutely convince her that we're doing this for her family yeah, we're going to go. We're probably going to go. We're probably going to get there Wednesday and stay till Sunday. Okay. That's what we're thinking. Nice. Might even stay a couple days longer and go over to Niagara Falls. Wow. Hey, that's where Superman fell in love. Is, is it? I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know that saved, either. Didn't he save uh, Lois Lane there? When she know, was a reporter and he was the assistant reporter and she didn't know he was Superman. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> You're anyway, taking a go, hole, dude. That that's a cool place to go. Okay, thanks. I don't know. I'm looking forward to going up to that fun fly. That's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to fly. At the, that was a really good time up there. I've never been. Yeah, I've never been up there. So, I think you like it. They still we're do fireworks at that fun fly. Yeah, and they fly helicopters through them. Nice. Oh, fun. I did that at uh, did that at uh, Pro out there at their field. Many times. So, what are you bringing out there with you to that point? I'll bring everything. All the things? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'll bring them all. Can and I if, borrow one? If, what's that? I said, can I borrow one? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's a heated question, sir. That's no, Scott lately. Graham that's asking you that question. Lately, yeah, it what? is. Holy shit. I've been crashing so much stuff lately. Yeah, dude. I think we need a little synopsis of yeah, what happened we do. in that evening at Dragonfly. I don't know. I really don't know what happened. Like You hit the, you hit the ground with the tail. That's what happened. No, I know, but I don't know why. Like, I've done that maneuver so many times. I think 
I think it's just flying other people's shit thinking it flies like mine and it doesn't have that like muscle memory to the point it moves like I expect. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Too many beans, sir. One too many beans. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just not a good spot. I, I feel like I'm not flying for a while. I've lost that like thoughtless connection at times with the helicopter where you, it just, you know exactly what it's going to do at every moment. And yeah, yeah. I don't feel as connected. So I just, it's my fault. I haven't been flying. So I'm rusty as shit. So That's I'm it. a loser. <laughs> nah, you're not a loser. Well, I think maybe we should do some news. Do we have any news this week? We do have news. The news. The news. News. Oh, that was awesome news. Oh, wait, wait that's right. We're, <laughs> We're not actually done yet. Doing it We're not done. We haven't started off. But take your nap. Oh. Take one toe. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> So at this time of year, being summertime, when the kids are home from school for the summer, uh, many parents sign their kids up for a variety of camps to give them something to do while their parents, sadly, have to go to work. So I want to call out attention to a hobby shop in Massachusetts called RC Excitement that is actually running an RC car summer camp. Oh, so, neat. Well, not yet. Yeah, super neat. So while not helicopter related, I just thought it was an awesome way to share our hobby with the community and keep local hobby shops in business, right? So it's a week-long camp where you get to build your own RC car and then learn how to race it on the track that they have nearby. And then the fee for the camp includes identical cars, radios, etc. for all the students that they get to keep at the end of the camp. So anyway, I just thought this was super cool, right? You drop your kids off every day. They get to build and wrench on the cars together. And then in a group setting in a classroom that they had all set up with the kits and everything spread out. And then they teach them how to drive it on the track. And then they do some kind of races at the end of the week. And then they get to take the car home at the end. So kudos to RC Excitement. Apparently, they've sold out at least three weeks of this camp. With You know, it looked like there were maybe eight or ten stations um, to build. And I also just wanted to call it out because it's just out-of-the-box thinking, right, to help bring more folks into the hobby. So we need more uh, kind of cool ideas like this. So that was awesome. Kudos to those guys. Yeah, dude, that's pretty. That's sweet as hell. Now we need a heli one. <laughs> Welcome to the Mikado Logo Demo Camp. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, a little hard to teach Hellies in a week. Certainly, to build and fly and whatever in a week is hard. But and to fund yeah. that, um, like, hey, give your kids three thousand dollars to go to this camp <laughs> so they can come yeah. home with a helicopter <laughs> that they will destroy. <laughs> That's the hard part, right? Like summer camps are already like four hundred a week or something. Usually, I forget. Yeah, um, 2D is a better sell than 3D for sure. Yeah, but it's cool. Anyway, um, all right. I can't remember if I said this last week or not, and I deleted all my notes, so I have no idea. But uh, the Goose Guy RS4 Venom is now in stock at your favorite dealers, so your pre-order should have shipped by now, and all remaining stock is now available for purchase. Uh, initial flight reports I've heard about the RS4 Venom are all good. Uh, so if you're interested in another entrant into the 380 size market, uh, definitely check that out. Okay. I know. You're thinking, he hasn't said Mikado yet. Well, I just did. Oh, uh, uh, dang it. <laughs> so if you're in the U.S. and you are not a fan of pre-ordering anything, 
Yes, that's right. I'm looking at you, grumpy man. We know who you are because you can't help but comment on every single pre-order post of every manufacturer. Anyway, (laughs) Mikado USA reports that more inventory of the new Evo radios, Evo FBLs, regular Neos, and V-Basic receivers are on the way. They've already left Germany. In fact, Mikado USA even put the tracking number on their Facebook page again if you want to follow the shipment. So expect to see in stock on these items on the MikadoUSA.com website in the very near future. Uh, at the time of recording today, the tracking says essentially it's in customs in the U.S. So no delivery date as of yet, but that process usually takes, eh, if all goes well, a week. So uh, perhaps by the time you're listening to this, they may be in stock at Mikado USA. Which means, Scott, you might be able to get your hands on an Evo. Although, didn't I hear you already have an Evo? Yeah, I got an Evo. Okay. Gotta get I that thing in alley so from. we can start hearing some thoughts. I know. I So I'm going to put it in my Black Nitro. I well, that's good. I can't be buggered to build that electric kit right now. I just don't want to. Um, and I need to find some excitement in the hobby again. And I think that's nitro. I almost did this months ago when I said I was only going to do nitro. I think I have to do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Especially so I can learn if you're having weird sort of bobbles and things from the nitro and if you find a solve. So. Ah, okay. Okay. Speaking of SAB. Uh, we're now in the month of July, so the SAB June summer sale has now come to a close. So SAB ran a month-long sale with kits on sale from 10 to 30% off, which was nuts. And now as we record, there's 4th of July sales going on, still in effect, uh, which will be closed by the time you hear this. But I add this to the news to say that if you pay full price for an SAB kit in the next few weeks, you should kick yourself for missing out and accept the <laughs> fact your hobby friends are going to call you a dumbass and you're going to deserve it. Uh, the sale was so popular that SAB dealers were pre-selling kits before they'd even arrived at their warehouses so they could help SAB clear out as much inventory as possible. Uh, if you did pre-order one of those kits, expect them in the very near future if you don't have it already as retailers catch up with the re- as the remaining inventory arrives from SAB. I heard there was a little bit of a whoopsie with that. Oh, uh, well, what kind of whoopsie? The fact that they didn't think they were going to sell that many. Um, and the whole point, like you said, was to, to deplete their inventory. But they depleted their inventory in like a week or even less. And then they started having to make new kits to satisfy the rest of the orders for the month of the sale. They're like, oh, oh shit. man. Yeah, no, it's been a problem. That's why there's such a delay. Like they went from let's empty our shelves to, oh, my God, make kits now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not a bad wild. thing, though, right? If you got, I don't if you know. Got, you need to make more product. I mean, they dumped the price so much so they could, you know, get rid of their stock. And I'm sure they're not making very much money if they have to make fresh kits now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good point. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard that. I, you know, I had heard that you know that nobody ordered enough kits because no one anticipated, you know, how what successful the sale would be. Uh, yeah. So everybody was scrambling to get more inventory. There was a video Bert put out, and he kind of explained what was going on, and he mentioned that whole event. And I was like, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly lots of new SAB owners on the market. I know they sold a ton, so uh, that's a good thing. And more helicopters is always good, so I'm glad folks got a bunch of good deals. But if, like me, you've got an SAB helicopter you're thinking of placing for sale on the used market, you might want to wait a month or so, kind of let everybody forget how cheap some of the kits went for. Uh, I think I'm going to let my Puma airframe go, despite how well it flies. I just kind of want to pull the electronics. And I think I want to order a raw 580 Nitro, so I have a backup Nitro. 
I don't know. Got to think about that. But uh, I'll probably wait a month or so, put the Puma for sale used, and if it goes, pull the servos and electronics and throw them in a nitro. This time next year, you're going to have like 10 nitro helis on the wall and a big old stained puddle on the ground right below it. And a gasser. I forget. Fuck gassers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Stay there now. I forget. What was the Steve Yoon magic number? So Steve Yoon of Freefall RC Podcast uh used to say that the magic numbers of nitro to own such that you could bring them all with you and be assured at least one of them would start was, was it seven? (laughs) Some really large number. (laughs) And, and I remember thinking, like, I feel like two is a good number. Like, I can bring two and then see what happens. And then maybe one electric in the car as a backup. There you go. We'll see. Anyway. All right. Time to hit on the news of the week. So just this past weekend, as we record on Monday, Global 3D, which is a 3D flying competition, uh, happened this past weekend, attracting some of the world's best pilots. And we've got some results. So I'm happy to say EagleDrift dominated once again with XL Power and EagleDrift sponsored pilot Kenny Ko taking first place in the Masters category again in back-to-back years. Uh, this time flying an XL Power NME. Uh, he's uh, following Kenny in second place was SAB pilot Vava Bunmala. Pardon my pronunciation if I got that wrong. With a Scorpion-powered RAW 700. And in third, also flying an EgoDrift-powered XL Power NME was Khan Panoy. So congratulations to the top three pilots at Global 3D. So that's in the Masters class, which is sort of the top level. Uh, in the Expert class, I want to call out a special mention to 11-year-old Copter Thanathep. Again, pardon my pronunciation. Is Copter seriously really his first name? One. And two... He took first place in the expert class, kicking the asses of everyone else, and he's 11 years old. So huge congrats to Copter. I think that's badass, and I hope he stays in the hobby for a very long time. No doubt. That's pretty awesome. Could you imagine, like, showing up to Global 3D and getting your ass kicked by an (laughs) 11-year-old? Tugging on the t-shirt. Hey, it's my turn now. (laughs) Okay, kid. On one hand, having to be all smiles and handshakes, and that's awesome. Congrats. Welcome to the hobby. And then you're muttering under your breath as you head to your car. Stupid kids. <laughs> <laughs> that plastic brain, though, dude, if he keeps that up, he's going to be a phenomenal dude. I don't, man. If an 11-year-old can win Masters now, I could imagine what the adult version of that guy is going to be. Wow. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe that was, you know, would have been Con Panoy if he'd entered at 11 or Kenny Ko or any of these guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. He started flying pretty young. So anyway, kudos to that dude. Uh, and that is uh, is all I got uh, for news this week. But uh, congrats to all the Global 3D pilots. Well done. I know Nick Maxwell was super sad that his flights got hosed by United Airlines, and he was not able to go out and judge. So sorry, Nick, about that. No, that's suffered. Uh, congrats to everybody. Well done. And that's it for the news. So this week, guys, we don't really have a topic per se, but uh, we're, we're just going to talk about a few things. Rob wanted to talk a little bit. He did mention it a little bit uh, in his introduction or what he's been doing this this week. Rob, why don't you kick us off? We're going to talk about Blades first, and then we'll see where this takes us, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so Blades. I think that's a cool topic to talk about. Um, I've, In my experience, I've, I've gone through these various progressions, and I think 
it's the same kind of a progression you could go through with other kinds of parts of your heli but um you know it's i think it's interesting to um i guess pay attention to or talk about like the the various nuances you get you know very every now and then you'll see a person put up a post they got these new blades they fly really good um but like what does that actually mean like what's the differences in here and there and, and i know for me personally in in my recent experience here because i had to buy these new blades to replace those uh other ones that i can see a distinctly different feel you know and uh so i thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about it a little bit you know um like i don't know um i mean i'm not like i don't know a shit ton about aerodynamics but i do know some of the basic things you know like the fatter the cord the more it's gonna bite but you're gonna load up your motor quite a bit more the bigger your disc you know the more air you can move but that that's gonna load your motor up a little bit more the, the bigger your disc is for your for your drivetrain right um so for me i went from uh 570 millimeter wide cord straight blades those ms composite rapids um and they were really light and um i noticed after they exploded it looks like the weight you know most of these i think the weight only goes about halfway down the cord you know and i think that's how when i balance these rotor techs it's the same so center weight's kind of the same uh, you know center balance and stuff but um i noticed a really big difference in for those wide cords versus these ones which are a little bit thinner cord and the tip is tapered off um in the in the flying style you know i briefly talked about at the beginning how those wide cord blades um i was really able to like pop it a lot a lot sh more sharply i guess i could say than i can with this one um the stops were a lot harder um and my cyclic was a lot more uh responsive dare i say like almost it almost felt like i had reverse expo on the sticks or something like that because right around center that thing was just ready to jump you know what i mean and then i would get into my throw and the the, the heli would get to wherever its rotation rate was and it would settle down or whatever but it was always really jumpy in the center um and i found myself bogging it quite a bit you know um uh trying to come like i'm, I'm a real fan of the, like just heavy swooping like high high collective or high cyclic swooping maneuvers not like a hard like like a stop it's just something really sharp it's like you know you just really bark the blades as you go by i mean it's just a it's just a banking turn you know what i mean but um i noticed with those other ones sometimes i would um have a really hard time staying on on a track um we talked last episode actually i'm just thinking of this now we talked last episode about i missed i'm like missing out on just calming down and doing some of those basic um uh kind of exercises right to, to kind of keep those basic skills and get better at those basic skills and i had commented about not being able to do a circuit and keep it at the the, the same elevation and stuff like that right um, but I've noticed with these rotor techs, I don't know if maybe it's that around the center, the cyclic around the center part, when I'm at speed, um, I can, first off with these rotor techs, the cyclic around center is a lot more tame than it was with the other blades, right? So I feel like I'm a little bit more settled in the heli. Like when I stop doing a maneuver, the heli just kind of can sit there and I, you know, and before I found, I found myself like doing this almost like these little micro bobbles, like while I was trying to fix it into center and I don't have to do, I didn't do any adjustments to my rates or anything. It's just the blades were different. And, um, I thought it was a pretty interesting thing. So I don't know if anybody else has any like real science behind that or their own, like 
uh, feedback. But for me, for the type of flying that I have, I feel like I just kind of, I guess when I bought my first set of blades, I'm like, I'm just going to get the biggest, baddest ones I can get. These ones are cheap. I'm going for it. But really thinking more about the flying style that I have and the type of blades, these blades that I have on here now, I prefer. I like them better than what I, what I was experiencing before. Just all around, they feel better. The, the stops aren't as sharp and hard, you know what I mean? Um, but that, you know, I think I can probably manage some of that with collective management. I'm not blowing through any of the things that I'm trying to do. I'm like, not like blowing past my target that I want to stop at or anything weird like that. Like I talked about my T-Rex 600 tail. Um, so, I mean, it, it just feels a little bit more locked in and um, um, I can still, you know, do some, closer like if you, i can still kind of ball it up and do a pyro flip in place or roughly in place in like 20 foot kind of an area in the ball you know um but so that that's my experience with blades how are what are y'all's experience with blades have you found like in my case for this one a blade that's slightly shorter than what it says on the box seems i like it better right um so what about you guys yeah i i feel the same way about it and i, and I look i don't I don't, um, I can't really tell you. I can tell you this, that I, for example, the 693 synergies that I, I think it is 693, isn't it? It is. That's how they got yeah. the odd dice or numbers, right? I think it's 696. It could be a uh, 696, something yeah, like that. But three, they, um, three is switch. Six is, uh, Matt Bodos. Yeah. So the, the most recent example, I guess, is I had the, I had those synergy blades on on the uh, Forza, and then with the Soxos, I had their the seven ten blades, and the seven ten blades to me were, you know, and, and it's not an apple and apple comparison. I understand that because they're two different helicopters, but the the longer blades uh, typically, I guess, feel a little more floaty to me. And the, the shorter blades, you know, are, like you said, Rob, a little more locked in. Yeah. Um, I don't know that, the, you know, I know there's all the disc loading and the, you know, the wing size and all that shit that, that these guys are always talking about. I don't, obviously, I don't fly hard enough to really understand uh, and be able to articulate what, which blade I would prefer. Frankly, I mean, I remember, the, I don't know, Scott, did you ever fly those compass I can't remember. Seven tens, I believe they were. Maybe they were seven hundreds. Those compass blades. Mm, I don't think so. Those were pretty. I mean, a lot of folks were buying those and really enjoying them. And I don't know. We, we, I mean, most of the guys like Jesse and Nick, Glenn and Justin, even were flying those pretty heavy back in the day. I really don't know. Basically, I would just fly what those guys would tell me to fly. <laughs> right. You got to uh, experiment. Do what you like. Well, yeah, and I do, and I also, I, I when when I do that, I realize that I I do it, tend to gravitate towards the shorter of you know within that range, acceptable range of length of blades. Why that is, I couldn't begin to tell you. I just think I like the way it feels better, right? Yeah, um, a little less floaty, per perhaps. It just doesn't. It just feels like it feels a little more responsive mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, right. So that's the uh, extent of my technical thought on that topic, Rob. What, does that does that help you out? <laughs> it helps reinforce kind of some of the things I was thinking about. Like bigger is not always better, 
And it, like for me too, a, a big part of it is, you know, I'm running, you know, like day old bread, I'm running old lipos, right? So they're like halfway through their life or two thirds of the way through their life, right? So I'm not able to just slam, pull, just suck amps through them things as hard as I could before. And like this one, I've noticed it's, it, I feel like it's a little easier for me to stay at the uh, particular altitude. It's also easier for me to stay. I mean, obviously governors govern your head speed and stuff, but even with the governor, you can kind of tell if you've got it loaded up and then you unload it. Right. But the other ones I could, I could, there was a, I could tell, you know, I could tell when I unloaded the disc, you could hear the blades just catching up just a little bit. Um, but with this one, I just feel like I'm not, I'm not bogging it down as much, you know, because uh, I'm my drivetrain is to the point where the governor can govern, but if I load it up too long for too too much for too long, it's just there's just not going to be enough output power, and you'll hear it. It all just kind of goes, and then I let off, and it's back. But with these ones, it's not like that, and so for a guy like me, that blade choice helped in that part of it too. So I, overall, I think I get a, a more a little smoother performance out of my whole machine in my case, you know. Right. So like some of the first things you'll notice when you're going through blades, like you said, as a pilot progresses, when you first start out, they really can't tell the difference between blades for the most part, other than like it goes up a little faster, goes down a little faster, or it stops harder, you know? Yeah. Um, And then the next level, you'll start to notice, like you said, Maybe a different cord size will make it bog less or bog more, vice versa. You'll feel like the heli is more stable when you're flying or uh, or just does what you want a little little easier than another set. But then there's the the feel aspect of it, which is the next level of things. When you get involved with a lot of cyclic stuff going on, a lot of bureau flips, a lot of you know fast moving while flipping through the air kind of thing and how the blade responds. And there's a ton of shit that goes into to making a blade work well and be efficient at the same time because i feel like the past maybe maybe five years ago six years ago it was a focus on feel and that involves a lot to do with you know it's going to be the size of the the cord it's going to be the thickness of the blade it's going to be the cg which is incredibly important for this uh, a cg yeah. that that's light and further in will make a very fast flying uh, fast flipping blade uh, heavier CG further out will do the opposite. It'll be very stable and track well. But what people don't think a lot about is CG being fore or aft in the blade, forward or back. Um, hmm. If you have the CG of the blade further to the rear, it's going to make the blade lead more, you know, lead and lag in the grips. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the further back it is, the more the blade's going to want to lead. And it's going to make a very aggressive, bitey blade. So it's going to want to really tuck in as soon as you give it input. It's going to want to bite and go. Um, and then vice versa, if you put the weight further towards the tip, it's going to be a lot more stable, a lot more smooth around center, more controllable. Um, so there's a lot that goes into the positioning of that weight that, that I guess people don't really think about when they think about new blades, you know, it's mostly just, yeah. oh, cord size and length and you know, weight, you know, but you could have two identical blades that look the same and they weigh the same, but they fly radically different just because of that. And then airfoil thickness too makes a huge difference like those new uh sab blades the s700s and the s701s and whatever other sizes they have um those guys seem to really bite through the air and they have a lot of a lot of effect as far as it can move a lot of air it can stop very hard but it's very efficient it seems going through the air it doesn't make as much noise um kind of like those azure blades too 
Noise has a lot to do with like tip geometry. You'll notice most of the blades these days have like a really kind of swept, interesting style tip that looks like a real military helicopter, like a Cobra tip or like a Black Hawk tip or something. Yeah, um, yeah, that little taper on there. Exactly. And that's to try and reduce the sound signature off the tip of the blade. Because um, the more sound it makes, the more energy you're wasting. And it's not going into, you know, rotational power. It's just going into making noise. Yeah, um, yeah. So my taste had changed a lot in blades. I originally loved a big disc, light disc loading, and I loved the stability of a blade. Um, but as I started to progress through flying, I noticed that I enjoyed a blade that was a little bit less stable in order to respond quicker and do things faster like I like. Um, it, it made it possible to do more aggressive maneuvers, whereas I wasn't using the big blade to like band-aid some of my flying, um, what do you say, shortcomings. So I was using a big disc and you know, a very stable helicopter to make me like myself less twitchy and make it look like I was more like on rails doing stuff, you know? Yeah. And the then, heli's doing that part for you kind of thing. Exactly. And as I progressed, I got more smoother. I got better at, at controlling it. I ended up going to a smaller blade size and then lighter blades. So like I went to switch 693 XFs. And when I tried those, it was like, it blew my mind. I was like, Oh my God, I can do so many more maneuvers, so much more aggressive and really make it flip around and, and, whip and then i could still do the big air stuff because i had progressed to a point that i didn't need it to be overly stable to make it look smooth um and then i tried those Rotortech 700 ultimates i love those blades like if for some reason they have the agility still of a shorter blade but yet they are still stable like a bigger blade it's like the, the perfect happy medium and you could laugh at me and go oh the length is in the middle but <laughs> the, the, the blades themselves just fly really well and they, they track super well it's, it's deceptive with how fast it can roll cyclically it can roll as quick as the 636s that I had um, at least it feels the same but it also feels just as stable as running like 717s or 710s it's, it's nice I love them and I can't figure out why I don't know what Jonas did but he figured that shit out <laughs> I bet so, there's magic smoke in there yeah, for sure. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Scott, though. Um, for for newer pilots, a lot of these kits nowadays anyway come, come with blades. That's like kind of the standard thing, right? Most yeah. of them come with blades, but eventually they're going to crash those blades. Is it... Um, so you mentioned that some blades by design are, are, are uh, much more responsive, a little less stable, but give you that quicker response you're looking for. Versus a longer blade that is a little more stable, a little heavier, maybe. For a newer pilot, are we talking, is this a, an extremely noticeable difference? Or is this something that can be tuned out? Or is there a blade, I don't know, is there an all-around, like, I'm just getting into this game blade, right? Yeah, yeah. like beginner blades, I'd recommend the batch that's like the stable blade. So you go with the standard 713 switch as a stable blade. Um, the longer rotor text, it's like 710, 713, something like that. The normal okay. weight, black and gold. Um, rail blades, rail blades have notoriously had a very, very stable CG. Um, hence the marketing handles like rails, you know, flies like it's on rails. Right. Um, those are very smooth blades. Uh, VTX 717s are pretty smooth, but they don't, I don't think they sell them anymore. 
um, and they they draw a lot. If you run too high head speed, they they're really not that efficient. Um, and they cost a ton to crash. Yeah, yeah, not a good idea. Um, but it depends how new I think you are. If you're super new, pick the brightest blade you can. That's why those dudes there love you those KBDDs. You know the the yes. colored ones. And they're great for beginner pilots. You can see, you know, bright orange or green on the underside, yeah. white on the top. It's like it helps you with the orientation. And at that level, when you're just learning to, to fly around and get comfortable, that's way more important than feel. Like, I wouldn't worry about feel until you're you're doing fast, big air, maybe elevator flips out of a hurricane, hero flipping, you know, whipping the tail around, corkscrew kind of shit. That's when you really notice what flavor of blades you like the best when you start doing right. those kind of maneuvers. And, and you're going to know. You're going to know when you need to, you know, you're, when, you, when you're going to start searching out a little bit more per, uh, performance blade. Yeah. Do they come with a higher price tag? The higher performance ones? Yeah, the higher performance blades. Are they all relatively? When you get into the, the I don't want to say silly airfoils, but silly airfoils, uh, VTX, Azure, um, I feel like the SAB ones are a little bit cheaper, but they're still up there in price. You know, the fancy airfoils and tip designs start to get more expensive, I right. guess, because they're trying to get their money back for the molds. <laughs> um, because obviously you make a new mold, you got you to recoup that cost. Whereas a blade like, you know, switch blades, those molds have been around since like yes. the 2000s, you know, because they're edge blades, same thing. I was going to so say, they, weren't they edge yeah. blades? Yeah. So ed edge standard or regular switch and then switch XF are edge SE blades. Okay. Yep. Obviously they took tweak the CG here and there yeah. on some of them based on, you know, pilot uh, input and stuff over the years, but the airfoil length cord mold is identical. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are the, good uh, party blades, those edge blades. Yeah. Yeah. I still have a brand new set of those. They make a lot of noise. It's great because they don't do anything for the tip that's like the end is a uh, model left for a two by four and it sounds accordingly, which some people love. <laughs> like I used to love the noise they make it big farts and everything. It was great. Yeah. 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 yeah they're great. They're great to do that with, uh, with, with unsuspecting plankers around. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Make them, make them shit their shorts. <laughs> yeah. There's something to be said for the shock and awe noise in demos too. It's kind of fun, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so Nick, I, tell us about your yeah. Which do you prefer? I was gonna say while we're talking about good beginner blades, uh, I want to shout out First RC and their line of blades because one, they're not as expensive as many other blades, and two, they come in some really bright colors that show up really well. Uh, you know, you can get the tips in orange, yellow, white, I think red. Um, anyway, some nice blades to consider as well. Uh, you know, I'm not at the point where I can puro flip and evaluate some of these blades uh, to right. the extent Scott's talking about, but I still like to try different ones. And I think that's okay. Right. Once you get beyond hovers and you're moving into basic maneuvers and you're sport flying and beyond and getting into, you know, beginner 3d, like it's okay to experiment with blades. And if you buy a new helicopter and it doesn't come with blades, or if it does and you want to try them, like there's no harm in that. Right. And I fly yeah. everything from Azure's to SAB to rotor tech to VTX to, I don't know, I got all kinds of stuff in my blade bag because I just enjoy experimentation. Um, One thing you should keep in mind, too, with based on that is retry them when you've progressed. So, like, if you're at that level and you're experimenting with blades, cool. There might be a set that you're like, oh, I, I hate these. But 
two years from now, when you fly differently than you do now, you may go back to those blades and go, oh my God, these are amazing. Yeah, no, that's totally makes sense. Um, yep. And I don't know that I've encountered a blade I've really hated. I've definitely encountered some that I like more than others. And it's funny, it's like, I'm always experimenting with length of blades. I like to try 700s and 715s of the same you know, manufacturer and compare them. And I feel like some helicopters I really like on a longer blade, like the Spectre V2, I loved on Azure 715s. But there are other helicopters I have, like I've been experimenting with the SAB 721s on my Puma, and I hate it. Like the, seven, the SAB 700s fly much better on that Puma. It's a lightweight helicopter, and it doesn't need to be even lighter, disc loading-wise, with the longer blades. Um, so I feel like the way I learn is just through experimentation. And so I don't always have the vocabulary to explain it or know why specifically in explainable language why I like one blade over another. But you don't have to have any of that. Like, it's okay to just try a bunch of blades and be like, I like the way this one feels and not have to explain it beyond that, right? It's about which blade do you connect with is makes the helicopter fly in a precise, repeatable manner that suits your style. Um, I think you nailed it there, too. Repeatable. There's certain blades that are not repeatable to me. Like, um, I, I struggle with those box SAB blades that used to get a few years ago, the original SABs, 700s. Mm-hmm. Or no, there were six nineties, weren't they? Or six nine five? No, I think they were six nineties. You're right. Yeah, and I I could never get them to like feel comfortable. I couldn't get them to do what I wanted every time, unless I ran like a blistering head speed. They love head speed, but if you run them at like two thousand twenty one hundred, I just fucking couldn't fly with them. I don't know why. And I feel the same way with KBDDs. I can't get those to work right. And I think that's it. I think everything else. Everything funky flies pretty well from what I can remember. Like, you know, the predictable runs the same. Oh, RJX blades. I can't get those to fly either. (laughs) (laughs) Some people swear by those. I think Marco says he buys them by like the trunk load. Does he really? Yeah. Oh, don't. Because they're cheap and they're really good for like practicing progressing. Like you can argue that all day long. Find a blade that's. $30 $30 to replace and it flies better than ever. It's like a rental car it drives better than any car on the planet and is faster <laughs> than any car on the planet because you don't give a fuck about it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how those blades fall into play because I was talking to Augie <laughs> about the same thing and they found a set of tails and mains that are just ridiculously cheap to the point that you could try whatever you want maneuver wise and plow it in and be like, oh, whatever. That's like the price of lunch. I you need know? those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They, they may not fly as 100%, but who cares? You're learning, you know? Yeah. yeah. My last blades were way more farty than these blades, and I'm kind of sad that these don't fart as much, but I fly better, so there's the trade-off. You know, you could fart while you fly, and no one would know. <laughs> I could. <laughs> Rob, I feel careful. like that happens to me. The blades I connect with most are the quietest, and therefore less exciting to anyone but me. Um, yeah yeah i'm like i'm flying great but it's just like through the sky but the other ones are just like and i feel like i'm flying like shit and people are like oh oh yeah i know it's like somebody gets up after me to fly and there are tons of blade farts and noise and you're like that sounds awesome oh i don't sound like that (laughs) (laughs) i gotta say this discussion makes me wonder and i'll start with my own answer but like what is it you wish existed in a blade that does not at this point and B, B blades. 
Beyblades, why? <laughs> Beyblades. Why? I don't know. They they just flew so good, and they had those cool flash tips on them, and they were noisy, and I, they were so fucking rigid. I just They were so cool. You, you remember they were carbon outside, wood on the inside? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I love them, and I wish they'd come back. They never I were. thought they were going to come back. I heard back and forth, and I've seen some, like, second batch ones that don't look the same as what I remember. They look more like Maxwell blades, which makes sense because it's made by the same dude. But they're not classic B-blades. I have every size in a bag saved, and I will never fly them, but I love them so much. All right, Hmm. I got to get really vain and shallow here, but because, you know, at my skill level, there's plenty of blades that suit me just fine. But the thing that I wish Blades would do is all aesthetic. Uh, And I really like the way Azure Blades fly. But I wish they would either do their Blades in all accent colors. So red, orange, you know, white, yellow, etc. Or just go all white. So it matches with every helicopter. You're not the only one. red strip in their Blades. I know this is stupid, vain, and obnoxious and stupid, but like... I won't fly them with like an orange canopy helicopter because to me that just looks bad. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm I'm with you. I hate the fact I'm like that, but if a hel- if a blade is a stupid color, I'll be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I, I don't know. To me, it's it's like if the helicopter looks badass in my mind, I'm more excited to fly it, which just means I enjoy the hobby more. Yeah, that's why I was so excited and I loved those um, those first generation ultimate blades. Remember they had the uh, like black silhouette and gray logo on it and then an orange tip and that was it? Mm-hmm. Thought that was super cool. They had issues with the orange fading. I didn't give a shit. They should have made that orange tip just white and it would have been a black and white blade all matted out. You can't see the logos. It would have looked almost scale and it flew awesome. That would have been like money in the bag. But then they made them purple and sparkly. Yeah, he doesn't like purple sparkly blades. It doesn't match any helicopter on the planet. (laughs) Where like your left and right blades would look different, like the sparkles weren't the same. They did green and they did purple, and they mixed the sets. And then somebody, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Somebody in the warehouse at Amain took them all out the package and matched up the colors, not realizing that the weights. (laughs) The weights were all match oh. sets. Oh my goodness. So Ooh. Jason had to go through like 70 sets of blades or something insane. Weigh them all, rematch set them, and then oh my go God. from there. Yeah. Oh my lord. That's a <laughs> day at work. <laughs> so bad. He did try and match the colors, so that's why most of them have been, you know, correct colors lately, but oh my god, I remember it took him like 3 days or something to go through them all. Yuck. <laughs> that would stop. Wouldn't it? So I have like a wish. It's purely aesthetic and nerdy, but I've always been a fan of anything with um, like a rotor on it. If it has just like one really small illumination at the tip, maybe put like red on the top and green on the bottom or something. So it makes just a really, really thin ring all the way at the tip, right? And if they could make that like super cost effective where it's not much more than a regular blade, and again, we're just wishing, and I know in reality you probably couldn't do it, but if you could just make it like a stock option, the blades always just had a little teeny light at the end, and it wasn't a huge performance change, I would do it. All my, all my helicopters would have a little teeny light right on the end of the blade. 
the little rings are so cool. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, it'd be good for orientation, but yeah, you can see that whole the whole disc, you know. Yeah, I don't really. I you know I don't know, man. Every blade that I have, I think you know the helicopter goes up in the air, so I'm satisfied. <laughs> and uh, aesthetics, I really care. I mean, I don't know. I the one thing I do, I don't the like the Soxos helicopters, their blades that come in those kits match my canopy yeah that's cool but i'm not going to necessarily care about that when they crash and i need to replace those yeah true i don't you know i'm probably not going to be buying purple sparkly blades but other than that i probably don't i probably wouldn't i mean if they were the only blades i could get my hands on i i probably would but they match don't have from an aesthetic point of view i really don't care what the blades look like yeah, it matters more how they fly. But I mean, if they could fly good and be pretty, kudos. That's a win-win. Yeah, and I get it. It you know, it's part of the hobby. You want it to look good. I, it just some of that, you know, some of that stuff just to me just isn't that important. But the brown on these rotor techs is ugly on my orange goblin. <laughs> it's gold, man. It's gold. Okay, gold. It's goldish brown. Okay, it's gold. It's more I, gold than I brown. Agree, though. It's yeah, like copper. there's many. Yeah, it's more like copper on the on the bench. It doesn't seem to match anything that I have. I guess I don't know. I'm sure somebody's got some gold on some bling on their alley. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you can't see it when it, when you're flying. You can't see it. You know what I'm saying? So, but I don't know. You get because the tips are white, more white. That strip, that little streak, is thicker at the end. Yeah. In certain conditions, like in front of a tree line, if I'm doing like a four-point barrel roll or something, that, that when it's sideways, I can see that ring, and it's slightly satisfying, you know? But the other blades, the tip had this weird-ass plastic, like, cap in the ends of the blades, right? This red plastic cap, and so I always had this fat red ring every time I'd fly, which was, I kind of, it was satisfying to me, you know? I don't know, I liked it. I can never mm-hmm. feel the difference between tail blades that much. Like, I can... I can tell with the gain being different and some of them seem to be more effective than others, but I can't seem to get like a feel, you know what I mean? Like, I don't Not the same way as main blades. Maybe I just suck yeah. ass and I, I don't know, but they either hold and do what I want or they don't. So yeah. I don't really have a preference. I just think yeah. I run those black and white rotor techs the most just to try and stay consistent. But can you run mismatching tail and main blades all the time? As long as they're not colored. <laughs> Can you, Nick? Oh, no. It makes me switch <laughs> uncontrollably. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The one like, I like, just... Unlike my logos, I think Rotortech tailblades with VTX mains because there's no VTX tails, but they are at least uh, in the same black and white kind of look. Yeah. Yeah, they got to be black and white. I refuse to run a color. Like, I'll never, ever, ever run Azure tailblades with any other set of tailblades or main blades. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Dan, when you fly like shit, you have to at least look good on the ground. Yeah, I mean, I get it. <laughs> I get it. They got to look good. Especially when you can't fly them. Well, anyway, I think that, uh, that about wraps it up, huh? Before we head out, though, maybe we should do some emails. God, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? You could reach out and touch me with any finger you'd like. Aww. <laughs> the or pinky. The pinky. That's too small. 
Um, you can email me at Scott. Jesus Christ, dude. All 10? At once. <laughs> oh, my God. You, Scott. You're going to get pissed. Oh, Scott at RCHNV3.com. Um, you could reach out on Facebook. I have not been available lately, as usual. Whatever. Just try and get a hold of me. Give it a shot. Yeah, complain more. Need- What'd you say? I said complain more. Hit me with that hate mail. There you go. I need some hate mail. Yeah. Uh, you fuck at rchnv3.com. <laughs> yeah, tell them what for. <laughs> How about you, Nick? All right. If you want to reach out to me and... Shit, what was I going to say? I just completely lost my train of thought. There you go. That's nice. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. If you want to reach out to me and try and make an argument that Nitro does actually have soul, or if, like <laughs> me, you think it doesn't have any at all and those people are just romanticizing something unnecessarily uh you can hit me at nick wisdom at rchnv3.com also briefly want to say happy fourth of july you bunch of ungrateful colonials and uh, that's all i got <laughs> all right you can reach me at dan at rchnv3.com and uh dan k reed i think on facebook check out our webpage www.rchnv3.com you can reach devin at devin at rchnv3.com who Devin. <laughs> Who's that? Who's Devin? Is, is he's he new? working the street corner in Indiana. Oh. Thought he was new. That dude. Yeah. Um, I don't know what his Facebook is, but I'm sure it's something like Devin McClellan. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think that's about it, except for Rob. Dank Reed. So I used to, your username, I used to think it was Dank Reed. But it was Dan yeah, everybody, K. Everyone together. thinks that because they think Dank it's a marijuana Reed. thing. I was like, what is this guy? Anyway, Dank Reed, um, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, it's going to require a little intestinal fortitude. And <laughs> hope, you're, hope you're not claustrophobic. So you need to get yourself a deep sea diving suit and go down into the ocean and collect a satchel of barnacles. And then I want you to take those barnacles over to Devin's house and just stick them on his truck in the shape of the question that you want to ask me. And then when he gets home, um, he hopefully will notice the barnacles before accidentally scraping himself on there and getting mad. And then he'll actually read it before removing them and tell me what the message is. Um, But if you are afraid of deep water um, or you don't like the taste of salt in your mouth, uh, you could just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Hit me up on Facebook at nextgenrcfb, uh, Instagram at nextgenrc, or youtube.com slash nextgenrc. Dude, I the was satchel. so waiting for a really poor taste Titan submersible. I kind of was too, actually. Yeah, I, I kind of thought you thought that's what I was going to do. I was thinking left. this is a little too soon, dude. A little too soon. No, near the shore, like shallower shipwrecks where barnacles live. I think that'll do it for this week's episode. We sure hope you guys enjoyed listening to this one as much as we enjoyed making it. Have a good week. And, uh, you know, have a good 4th of July. Yes, sir. See you next time. Don't blow your fingers off. You need them to fly your alleys. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thumb pointer. Hold the, hold the fireworks with your pinky.